All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You're tuned in to Oilers Nation every day with Tyler Uramchuk. Live every weekday on the Nation Network YouTube. So it turns out spotting NHL teams three goal leads every every game is maybe not the best recipe for success. The Flames got their revenge in the Battle of Alberta. Let's get into what we saw on Saturday night with the lead. Oh, there's a lot to get to today. A lot to get to on Oilers Nation every day coming to you live on the Nation Network YouTube channel and the Facebook and the Twitter. If you want to have your comment heard, you need to hit us up in the YouTube chat. I got that open. People are already giving their takes. You're fired up after a battle of Alberta lost by the Edmonton Oilers. As always, we are coming to you from the Sports Closet studio brought to you by our friends at the Sports Closet who have three locations in Edmonton the Edmonton area, Sherwood Park Mall, St. Albert Mall, and Kingsway Mall. You can go pick up one of these two bad boys, the Royal Blues, maybe the nice white version as well. Maybe you want to get Stuart Skinner on the back because he was probably the only bright spot from that Oilers game against the Calgary Flames. A couple of things I want your take on in the comments first, and it's probably the biggest one. On a scale of 1 to 10, what's your level of concern with this Oilers blue line? I'll admit mine is getting a little higher as the games go on here. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's a 7, 8, or a 9 quite yet, but it's in the 4, 5, 6 range. It's not great. Um, Jenna is in on the YouTube chat. says, 1, not worried. The Oilers have Duncan Keith to... Oh, I'm not reading the rest of that. We got to hide that from the chat. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, that's why you always pre-read your messages. Anyways, uh, my... my isn't quite that high yet. Um, you can see the Oilers are already mixing up their lines at practice, but they're not mixing up their pairings. And for me, that is maybe a little bit of a mistake. Let's keep those up here for a second. Nurse and CeCe, 
they were they were fine ish. I didn't think they were great. Darnell Nurse was given a four turnovers, I think, in the game. He's 10th in the NHL in turnovers per 60 minutes uh, among among players, all players, who have played at least two games. So uh, Darnell Nurse needs to cut down on the turnovers. Aside from that, I thought Nurse was better on Saturday than he was on the season opener against Vancouver. Nurse and CeCe is fine. That's kind of my point. Kulak and Barry is less fine the the one goal against shorthanded where kulak blows a tire like that that's just gonna happen throughout an 82 game season everyone's gonna make mistakes like that like that's not like a dumb mistake or anything it's one of those things that kind of bad luck right things like that are gonna happen kadri has a step on him goes in scores the the big concern was probably that murray bouchard pairing who were on the ice for all three five on five goals against not good enough Murray somewhat made up for it because he made a nice pass to Ryan McLeod, but I, no, I shouldn't even say he made up for it because he, he really did it. That pairing's not good enough. So what do you do? Is Murray Barry going to be better than Murray Bouchard? Probably not. I didn't think Tyson Barry had a very good game on Saturday at all. He had a couple just brutal turnovers. And at least with Bouchard, Bouchard wasn't great in his own end, but he made some good plays in the offensive zone. Barry didn't do anything at either end of the ice. Um, so do you call up Niemalainen? I know people are kind of chomping at the bit for that, but is Niemalainen-Bouchard going to be a better pairing? Eh, I'm not sold on that either. Is Niemalainen-Barry going to be a decent pairing? I'm not sold on that either. The point is, I'm rattling through all these combinations of what the Oilers could do on their blue line, and I'm not coming up with an equation here that equals a Stanley Cup-level blue line. Daniel Nugent-Bowman of The Athletic wrote that, you know, maybe it's time to start thinking about Jacob Chikrin again. I know that's music to the ears of Jay Downton, but I think that's legit. Like, I laid out the trade targets last week. You know, Susie was at the top of my list. I like Ali Mata out in Detroit, but you're probably not getting either of those guys. Um, it's probably You're probably not getting either of those guys until closer to the deadline. Chikorin is a guy who you could go get right now. He's coming back from injury. He wants out of Arizona. Arizona's been looking to move him for months now, almost a year now. Go get him. It's going to cost you a lot. Yeah, you might have to trade Philip Broberg and you're going to have to put a first round pick in there. But why would you not do that? How could you look at this blue line through two games so far this season and be like, good enough? Because it's not good enough. I, there's no reason to panic yet. And, and maybe, but that's the other thing, dude, is I don't view a Chikrin trade as a panic move. If you were to go move, you know, a first round pick for Susie right now, which is more than I think you'll go for at the deadline because you're that worried. That would be more of a panic move. But Jacob Chikrin is established. He's young. He's cost-controlled two more years after this one on the contract. That's not a panic move. That's a deal that makes you better for a handful of seasons. The blue line is just not good enough. Uh, we're going to be joined by Cam Lewis, our boy Coombsy, making his Oilers Nation Everyday debut in a couple of minutes. But first, Liam Horbin. I want to get your take on, uh, on the game we saw on Saturday. Are my concerns about the blue line justified or am I doing a little bit too much game two of the season overreacting? Uh, I don't, I think I justified. I think it's okay to, to have that opinion right now. I mean, two games in a row, the Oilers have spotted the other team a three goal lead. It's simply, yeah. simply not good enough for the, a team that wants to contend for a Stanley cup. You can't do that later on in the season when you're in the playoffs playing Colorado in the Western conference finals or, the flames again for that matter in the playoffs you do that you're you're gonna get screwed and then you know i i think it's fair to assume oh a lot of these players are still 
adjusting to the roles, I guess, in the regular season. Like, the first couple of games, it still feels a bit like adjusting to preseason. So, we'll see. Is Nima Linen really going to make that much of a difference? Is Broberg going to make that much of a difference? I, I do believe the answer maybe does come from outside of the organization right now because that Bouchard and, and Murray Perrin isn't looking pretty right now, to say the least. They're good going forward, but you want your defenders to defend well, too. Surveyor Brett says Oilers defense whoop put Darnell on the wing trade Bouchard for Chikrin now Jay Downton probably so a nice little real life joke there from Surveyor Brett the Drokner says he is at a 6 out of 10 on the concern scale Mason says he's at a 5.6 Devin Gardner says he's at a 4 out of 10 need more sample size and that's fair Zach Dean says 5 out of 10 they're a team that needs to dress 7D we knew that yeah I I'm, maybe they do. Maybe for a couple of games until one of these blue liners gets going, you need to start dressing 7D and you throw Nima Linen in. But like, I, I don't view that as like a super good solution long term for this team. Rusty says two. There are still 80 games left. Not worried at all. He also added that going 81 and one is still on the table. Sure. Comments in here about Kulak. Yeah, I, again, that was just a bad break. Like, I mean, guys fall down. I think like a couple minutes before that, Rasmus Anderson also fell down. The Oilers just didn't score on the odd man rush. So, uh, Sergeant Battle, I'd give Broberg in a first for Chikrin. Steve, Sim Steve Simons hmm, says Broberg in a first, done. And then Devin makes a good point, though. Broberg in a first isn't enough to make the cap space work. So you'd have to move Tyson Berry in that trade as well. And then that creates an opening on your right side. So then you have to go find someone for the right side of the blue line. And, you know, it, it, it's not a perfect solution going to get Jacob Chikorin. But I still think at the end of the day, it makes their blue line better. Before we get to our guy, Cam Lewis, there's one other thing I wanted to talk about. Oilers go down early. Spot the Flames three goals. Bang, right back, McDavid, Drysaddle on a line together again. Here's my issue with it. Uh, I, If you think your best chance to outscore a team by three goals over the course of a game is to put McDavid and Drysaddle together, because you also have to keep pucks out of your net when you're making a comeback like that, right? Like, you need to play good hockey, but if you think your best chance to outscore your opposition by three-plus goals in the final 50 minutes of a hockey game is to go with McDavid and Drysaddle on the same line, why don't you just start the game with them? Maybe you wouldn't be spotting teams three goal leads. Like, like if you think, if you can kind of follow my thinking, and Liam, let me know if, I, if I'm getting a little bit too out of whack here, if I'm not making sense. But if your best chance, if you're Jay Woodcroft, and you say, okay, we're down by three goals, the only way we're outscoring the other team by three goals is to go with McDavid and Dreisaitl. Just play them together the whole game, right? Like if you, you should just be putting together your best lineup game in, game out. The other thing is McDavid and Drysaddle at five on five aren't doing a lot together. Against Calgary Flames, McDavid Drysaddle with a Vander Kane. That trio was the most used trio. That was the highest line, the highest time on ice one line had was McDavid, Kane, and Drysaddle. Against Calgary, the shots were six six with that trio on the ice, and they did not get a goal scored at five on five. Against Vancouver, they were outshot seven to two at five on five, that trio and zero goals for. They've now played close to 13 minutes as a trio and have not scored a goal at five on five. And I know Jay brought up the point of, you know, are they drawing penalties? Are they doing other good things? The point is they've played over 13 and a half minutes together. They haven't produced a goal and they've been outshot by five. That's clearly not helping you. 
the comeback against Calgary was because of the special teams. The near comeback against Vancouver was because Ryan McLeod got a goal and your power play scored. Depth scoring and a power play goal. You haven't been creating these comebacks because McDavid and Dreisaitl are dynamite at five on five. They're not playing their best at five on five right now. So I don't really understand always wanting to go back to them because it's just it feels like a desperation panic move that early in the hockey game. And it also hasn't worked for two games. I'm a big fan of keeping them split up. The Oilers have good depth pieces. Evander Kane is a good hockey player. Zach Hyman's good. Kyler Yamamoto's good. Yessa Pugliarvi's good. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is good. I, I don't mind Ryan McLeod. I think he's a good hockey player as well. You can give McDavid and Dreisaitl enough support to run two lines with those two split up and still have threats to score on the ice at all times. McDavid and Dreisaitl together, yes, they, they click really well. They're amazing on the power play. They have great chemistry. Split them up. And if in the third period you need to just play those two 10 minutes a pop, double shift them, always have one of them on the ice. I actually think you might score more goals by always having one of McDavid or Dreisaitl on the ice because the supporting cast now is good enough. I, I just, I'm not a huge fan of it. I think long-term over the course of 82 games, if you keep them split up, you will win more hockey games. You'll be a tougher team to stop because you just have more threats on the ice at all times. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm overreacting to that, but I, I see we put out the question on the YouTube chat. Should 29 and 97 play together? Devin said no. Frog Prince said no. Euler fans said yes. Frog Prince, again, you're making me read that name and it sounds ridiculous, but you said not at five on five. And I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you. I think at five on five, you keep them split up. I like this one from Richard. A one line team is not a winning recipe. And just going to that one line team doesn't work. Again, they came back against Vancouver because of the power play. Not because McDavid and Dreisaitl created three goals at five on five. So I'll, I'll end my rant on that or I'll end my portion of the rant on that. Let's get to our guest today and bring in my good friend Cam Lewis, who didn't show up to our beer league game yesterday because he forgot it was on the schedule. Uh, anyways, you I'll forgive you for that. Me about it. I thought you knew the schedule. I know. I, I should have known, but I'm used to getting that text message from you in the middle of the day saying, are you in for the hockey game tonight? In which case, I would have known there was a hockey game. <laughs> you didn't show up for the entire game. The Edmonton Oilers didn't show up for the first 15 minutes of their hockey game on Saturday. I look at this team and the way they've played through two games. It feels very Dave Tippett-esque in the way that these first 120 minutes have gone, where they have a win because their power play bailed them out, but they've started slow twice. They've gotten outplayed at five on five in both of these games, and the blue line is really struggling to keep up. Uh, what are your thoughts on the first two games as a whole for the Oilers? Yeah, I mean, I think you ultimately would like to avoid making overreactions about a, you know, a two-game sample size. I think we both know that if you pick any two games at any point in the middle of the season, that's not really something you'd like to draw conclusions from. But the reality is, is the first two games of the season are very magnified, and they also came against two rival teams, Vancouver and Calgary, both of whom I think pretty much everyone expects to be in the race for playoff spots in the Pacific Division, Calgary more so than Vancouver, I'd say. But... I think you're right when you say it does kind of, it is somewhat reminiscent of the Dave Tippett era. You were talking on the show before about the loading the one line with McDavid and Dreisaitl. That's not something we saw that much from Jay Woodcroft last year. Woodcroft, I thought, did a really good job of splitting those two up and having them play with different wingers and kind of in increasing the depth of the team. But seeing him do kind of the old Tippett thing that we complained about is maybe somewhat worrying, but... 
I don't know. At the end of the day, it's just two games. There's things to worry about, things to be excited about, and I would imagine as time goes along, the talent will just shine through. That's usually how it works. Yeah, and, and that's kind of how I view this as well. Like, again, it is just two games. They're one and one through two games. There's no reason to pull any alarm bells. But still, I kind of look at that blue line, and there was concerns about that coming into the year. Like, looking at this group on paper, I was like, okay, this blue line is not a Stanley Cup caliber blue line at all. Are you, again, you don't want to overact early either, but are you more concerned with the blue line than you were at the beginning of the season? I think um I think I feel kind of the way about the blue line that I thought I was going to feel during the offseason. I don't think I feel worse about it because of the first two games, but I'd kind of hope, you know, the blue line was the obvious question mark coming into the season. The forward group's very strong. The goalie duo is, I think, better than the Mike Smith, Miko Koskinen tandem we'd seen the previous three seasons. And the blue line was the one thing where you think, okay, I don't know if this is average, above average, below average, where they're at. Um, I think it's kind of where we expected it. One thing I don't think that many of us talked about over the offseason is the kind of impact that losing Duncan Keith had on the team. I mean, we were all pretty critical about that acquisition last year. I'm not going to say we all, but a lot of us on the Oilers Nation staff were critical of that acquisition. But, I mean, move past the trade, move past the cap hit, move past the fact he wasn't the Norris Trophy winner he used to be last year. And... Keith was a reasonably steadying presence on that second pairing, and I think Brett Kulak, while he's a very good third-pairing defender, might be a little over his depth there. And then the other thing, too, is Evan Bouchard had a breakout season last year, and we just expect, okay, he was that good last year, so he's automatically going to be this good next year. But we sometimes we sometimes forget that progression isn't always linear. And then there's also the thought maybe they banked on Philip Broberg taking the exact same step forward that Bouchard did last year and him taking on a prominent role in the team. That hasn't happened yet. So things are a little in flux, but I would give it at least, I think, the first 20 games before I'd want to pull the trigger on an addition. Uh, you mentioned Philip Broberg there, and we got a question in the chat for you from Clay, who says, for Coombsy, many said Broberg was a non-starter in a chicken package two games into the season. Would you agree? I guess the way to spin this is if you were freaky Friday'd into Ken Holland's body for the next 24 hours and Bill Armstrong calls you and says, first, Barry Broberg for chicken. Do you pull trigger on that? Oh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say no. That does seem really reasonable. Um, that's the reality is, is you have to give to get. And Jacob Chitron's an interesting player because he's a veteran in the league, but he's not that old. I mean, and he's also cost controlled and a really good contract. So you got to consider all those things. But kind of the challenge for the Oilers is, is Jacob Chitron spent the majority of his career playing on the Arizona or the entirety of his career playing on the Arizona Coyotes, who are a team that are never competitive. I mean, they were in the bubble playoffs in 2020, and I think they won their play in round. But Chitron hasn't played that much meaningful hockey. So, I mean, the skill set's obviously there. And I think it's kind of the, you know, mystery boat of the box situation. You kind of hope if all goes well, Broberg becomes Chitron one day. So why not just go and get Chitron? But would Chitron thrive playing in this environment right now? Getting thrown into, you know, a situation where you're going from playing meaningless hockey in the desert to then playing competitive hockey in Edmonton on the Oilers. And I mean, there's a chance that he does extremely well. He accepts the challenge and becomes that really good second pairing defenseman that they need. But there's also a chance that, you know, he's not used to this kind of pressure or playing in this kind of media market. And I'm not sure if making that move in season is that easy to adjust to. But 
I think you said earlier in the show too as well, acquiring Chitrin wouldn't be a panic move. That's something you can do early in the season. That's kind of like the big splash. Like you don't often see teams make trades early in the season, but that's, you know, not necessarily a trade deadline trade. That's an anytime trade. But I do kind of worry that everyone is looking now at Chitrin as the answer and he might come in and that could be a significant challenge. Let's talk about one of the lone bright spots from that game on Saturday. Stuart Skinner, first star of the game. He was absolutely incredible. After Campbell gives up four goals on 11 shots, Stuart Skinner steps in and goes 31 for 31. Stops every single shot he faced. was really the only reason the Oilers had a hope or a prayer of winning that game down the stretch. Uh, would you go back to Stuart Skinner on Tuesday? Yeah, undoubtedly. Um, the Stuart Skinner, I think... The start on Tuesday was probably scheduled at the beginning of the year. It makes sense to give Jack Campbell, your new goalie, two starts against the divisional rivals. And then you've got kind of a more random game against Buffalo. So that makes sense. But I also do think it would be worthwhile to go back to Campbell sooner rather than later as well, no matter how well Skinner plays in his game against Buffalo. Because I think the last thing you want is for Campbell to sit there on that ugly start against Calgary. You know, it's a very emotional game. The Flames came out guns a-blazing. They'd been waiting for that game all summer, and Campbell didn't have his best. You know, it was a thing for him in Toronto, too. We had some, a handful of instances where, you know, the Leafs would start slowly and Campbell would allow a softie. It was kind of the same narrative with Miko Koskinen here as well. So the last thing you want is for Jack Campbell to sit there and stew on that for a week. You know, Skinner comes in, kills it against Buffalo. They give him the next start and the next start. I think you have to get Jack Campbell into one of these games this week just so that he has an opportunity to regain his confidence. Yeah, and, and I think that's fair as well. Um, the, the devil's advocate on going with Skinner, which I agree with you. I would go back to Stuart Skinner. He earned a chance to get another start against the Buffalo Sabres. You know, Campbell is your five-plus million-dollar guy. Maybe you want to give him a shot to redeem himself against a poor Sabres or a a subpar Sabres team and see if he can get his confidence up. But I would go, I actually, I think I'm bang on going to agree with you. Skinner on Tuesday, no matter what, I go back to Campbell on Thursday against Carolina. And then I take these two games, whichever guy's better. You get the start on uh, Saturday against the St. Louis blues, two o'clock afternoon start at home. Uh, yeah. I, I think you got to go back to Skinner. Let us know in the YouTube chat. If you would go Stuart Skinner tomorrow against the Buffalo Sabres, uh, Coomsey, I think that's everything I got for you, man. We kind of ripped around the entire roster there. Talked about the forward group a little, talked about the blue line, talked about the situation between the pipes. After every Oilers game, you are, or after most of them, you're on our YouTube doing the day after videos as well, so people can look for that content. Thanks for joining me today. No worries. Thanks for having me on. Surveyor Brett says it looks like Coomsey is joining us from a prison in his orange shirt, and I think that's kind of funny. Anyways, uh, let's get to the wrap for today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. 
Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. A lot of debate in the chat about uh about what the oilers should do with that mcdavid dry thing devin says question if it was a question for cam but i'll just answer it if mc if mcdry is a reality which winger is best for that spot i actually think it's zach hyman if i'm being honest so just comparing head to head going mcdavid dry kane versus mcdavid dry hyman against vancouver at five on five mcdavid dry kane had six minutes 22 seconds on the ice this is against vancouver again sorry they were outshot 7-2. Hyman with the big guns, outshot the Flames 4-1, outscored them 1-0 at 5-on-5. Five five. So in that game, similar ice time. Hyman on that line created better results. And against the Calgary Flames, I'm going to check how much they used the mcdavid Dreisaitl hyman trio. Four minutes and four seconds, outshot the Flames 2-1, didn't get a goal. So again... By shot metrics, slightly better results, I guess, than uh, the Kane drives out of McDavid. But I tend to like Hyman there more. Hyman's also the only Oiler who's drawn two penalties so far this season as well. So um, I would definitely, I, if I'm going to do it, if Woodcroft's going to continue doing it, I think I would like to see it with uh, with Hyman on that duo. But again, they, they totally mixed up the lines again today at practice. If you missed these, we flashed them up off the top of the show. Uh, McDavid centering Kane and Yamamoto, Dreisaitl centering Hyman and Pugliarvi, RNH centering Holloway and Fogel, and uh, as Tony Brar says here, Shore McLeod, Malone, and Ryan rotating in on the fourth line. The blue line is expected to stay the same. We do not know who is starting in net. So again, a totally new look combination in that top six for the Edmonton Oilers following their loss to the Flames. Hyman has more tenacity for puck pursuit than Kane. And I mean, Kane, Kane lays the big hits and things like that. And he does play hard, but I do think Hyman's just maybe a bit of a better fit, especially once you get cycling in the offensive zone, I would, I would go Hyman if I'm going to do it. Um, Devin says two o'clock in the afternoon start. Yikes. Thanks. TNT ESPN. I love afternoon games. Those are the best. And we'll have a short for giant pregame edition of the show coming up uh, at noon again on Saturday as well. So that'll like lead you somewhat close into game time as well. Russell says, keep McDavid and Drysaddle split up, work down the stretch last season. The other thing too, like I'm not saying never put them together. Like I think there can be some value in playing that duo on the same line, but doing it for 50 minutes when you practice the days leading up to a game with certain line combinations and then they they go down. I Again, going down 3 nothing is really what's throwing this off. And that's the bigger issue is you just don't go down 3 nothing. We aren't even having this conversation. 
But if you're going to do it, do it in the last 10 minutes. Make it more of like a surprise attack on the other team. They're like, okay, now they're down by one, 10 minutes to go. McDavid and Drysdale are on the ice together. I actually think you have just as good of a chance of coming back if McDavid and Drysdale are split up for the 50 minutes and you just double shift them, play them every second shift for the most part. The other thing, and someone said this, I think it might have been Frog Prince in the chat, like you have this depth on the team and then as soon as you go down, you stop using it and they sit on the bench for the majority of the game. And I don't think that's great at this point in the year either. You want to get everyone up to speed. So lots of lineup things to talk about. I'm sure this is a conversation that will not go away at any point this season. Um, but let's bring back in Liam Horbin and talk a little bit about our bets from the weekend. We can start with the BOA, Liam. You were on the puck line. That didn't go well. I was on McDavid to score plus an Oilers win. That one missed, but I nailed dry settle over a point and a half. So I at least got one win. Um, did you nail any of your goal props in that game? Uh, I don't think I did in that game, but also my props from Friday's show went pretty well with the Winnipeg Jets. So I got the Winnipeg Jets win and the Kyle Connor goal with 20 seconds left. We won't talk about my football picks for the day, but other than that, it was not a bad money on elk. John told you that was lighting money on fire. Hey, the Elks almost did it. They played well. They played well, but the uh, the Cowboys, the Cowboys couldn't hold on. The Cooper Rush train stopped at a grand halt. But today, I think we've got some. I think we got some good ones. There's nine games on the NHL slate tonight. So the yeah. biggest one I'm going with, I mean, the Minnesota Wild just can't stop conceding goals at the moment. So we're gonna go in there, and I'm gonna take the over. I, why not, right? Like six and a half at the over at minus 120 against the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury isn't playing tonight. It's Gustafsson versus Gorgiev. So I'm going to go with the Colorado Avalanche on the money line until Minnesota prove they can stop the puck from going in the net. I'm going to go with the over as well at minus 120. And then I'm going to go back to the Austin Matthews prop as well of two or more points. They play the Arizona Coyotes tonight in Toronto so plus 105 for Austin Matthews to get two or more points he hasn't done it yet he only has two points on the season but tonight feels like an opening for him I love that uh that abs bet honestly like Minnesota you're right they can't keep the puck out of their net they're in shambles defensively hanging Marc-Andre Fleury out to dry on a nightly basis Philip Gustafson, I don't think he's going to give you that much better of a result. The Avs seem to be playing good hockey. You know, they're the Avs. They're still a juggernaut. Minus 118 right now is what the line shifted to on Betway. I love that, and I do like the puck line as well. So I'm riding with you on both of those. That is a uh, good scoop on the starting goaltending. For me, I actually I shared these on DFO Live. I do it every day, but I got four bets tonight. Toronto, Arizona, I'm going over six and a half goals. It's Shalgren versus Vamelka. And again, I think the Leafs, Matthews, they'll get the offense going, but Shalgren's not going to pitch a shutout in this one. So I like taking the over in Toronto, Arizona. I'm going Pittsburgh on the puck line against the Montreal Canadiens. Crosby to grab an assist at minus 130. Mm -hmm. And Alexi Lafreniere, over two and a half shots on goal. You can find this one at plus 150. Some some sites have it at plus 130. I didn't check what Betway has it at. Um but Lafreniere is averaging just over four shots on goal per game early on. So I am on Toronto, Arizona over Pittsburgh minus a goal and a half Crosby minus one thirty, Lafreniere plus one fifty, and uh, Liam, you're cornering that Avs game. That's a good pickup. I like that. Yeah, like I said, like Colorado, even when they lost to Calgary the other night, still scored three. Like they've, there's been a lot of goals in both their games they've played so far, and. Again, Minnesota, just I don't know what happened to them, but they can just not stop that puck from 
that goal light from going on right now. So you gotta you gotta ride down until it goes away. Sergeant Battle says Minnie's Minnie makes the Oilers defense look good. And early in the season, yeah, I, I think that's actually uh, pretty bang on. All right, that's gonna be a wrap for today's show. Coming to you as always live from the Sports Closet Studio. They got some new Michelin Ness NHL snapbacks. Go check them out on their site, sportscloset.ca. They, uh, they look pretty sick. You can also pick up an Oilers jersey while you're there as well. We will be back tomorrow. It's another Sherwood Ford giant game day here on Oilers Nation every day. I think Jay Downton's going to be around for that one. So we'll get set as the Oilers get ready to host the Buffalo Sabres. Shout out to our guy Coomsey for joining us today and Liam for giving us a fantastic Colorado Avalanche bet as well as for our technical producer Alex Allard. That is a wrap on the Monday, October 17th edition of Oilers Nation every day. We'll be back tomorrow. Enjoy your day. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.